What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Primal Podcast. This one is so interesting. My guest today is Mr. Fergus Kerrigan, one of the owners and founders of Ethos CBD. CBD stands for cannabidiol, and it's a compound that has the potential to have absolutely incredible effects on your health and wellness. Now, shout out to Mr. Pat Dively for making the connection between myself and Fergus, but I was so excited to have Fergus come on because I've been interested in CBD and the endocannabinoid system for a long, long time. And to have somebody come on who has not only developed a product range that is really helping people, but who also has a very, very deep understanding of the landscape around CBD, THC, the rules, the regulations, the products, how they work and what's going on is a real treat for me and you because it lets us learn a lot more about something that could really enhance and improve our own lives and our wellness. Now, Fergus's story starts with his own personal health issues. He took a dive into functional medicine and discovered the world of CBD and all of these wonderful compounds that could help him improve his own health and wellness. In this episode, he breaks down CBD and explains to me the differences between CBD and THC, hemp and marijuana, what his products are, how they can help people, and we get into functional medicine and how we should all empower ourselves and learn more about these different compounds, and not just these compounds, but many other aspects of health and wellness so we can take care of ourselves and live our most robust and resilient lives. I don't know if you're picking up a team in this podcast, but this is it. Now, if you're watching, you'll see these lovely products here beside me. This podcast is not sponsored. However, Fergus was kind enough to bring me in some of his products so I can test them for myself, see how they feel, and let you know what the results are. So if you're following the Instagram page over the next few weeks, you'll see me giving some updates on my experiences with Fergus's products. But products aside, CBD is something that we should all start to understand, specifically the endocannabinoid system, which has such a huge role to play in so many different conditions in our bodies. This was such a fascinating podcast and Fergus is a real gent. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Enjoy. Welcome to our shared journey to find the answers to questions about health, wellness, nutrition, performance, life and success and to craft the most resilient, hardy and happy humans you've ever seen. Welcome to the Primal Podcast. Fergus Kerrigan. Dan, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on this lovely, fresh Friday morning. Yeah, it's pretty wintry out there. Yeah, I'm laughing. How's my hat? Can we see there? Yeah. Like, I'm like a walking advertisement. You're free on brand. Yeah, you were very good. I'm just going to point out straight away, you're very good to bring me these uh, Ethos CBD products. Thank you very much. No problem, no problem. Um, really, really looking forward to this conversation. We had a good phone call last week, um, and I've been fascinated, as I said to you, on the call with CBD for a while but not particularly well-researched because I'm lazy. So what I do <laughs> is get the guy who knows and bring him in and have a chat. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to having a chat about this today. But would you mind, just for listeners who mightn't be familiar with you or your story, just to give us a brief kind of recap about who you are, first of all. Cool. And then Ethos CBD, how that project started and bring us right up to, to today. Yeah, perfect. So uh, my name's Fergus Kerrigan. I'm from Galway originally. Um, I, I was kind of working in the corporate world uh, out of college, studied to be a lawyer, uh, quickly went to San Francisco, worked in a law firm for a while. Beautiful office, beautiful city, but really hated the work. So I realized that wasn't for me. Um, so came back to Dublin, worked in kind of business management consulting for a few years in, in a couple of firms there. And again, got to a point where, yeah, there was quite a lot of learnings in it. Um, I thought it was definitely a good foundation uh, to learn 
business skills that I could transfer. But I always had this, I suppose, entrepreneurial itch. Like uh, my friends or my partner, Amy, would know that I always had a either the notes on my iPhone or a book where I'd be writing down business idea after business idea. Some of them I'd take quite far. Um, some of them, they would just be scrapped, you know, the next week. But for one reason or another, those business ideas never went that far. Like they were, some of them were pretty ludicrous. There was one, that <laughs> one funny story was when the the Pope was coming to Ireland to uh, do mass there. I don't know. It's probably, I think it was 2016, but I'd heard a story about a guy uh, from Galway when the Pope came previously in 1979 who had bought a load of chairs and rented the chairs out to people to sit at the mass and he'd made a lot of money. So I was like, okay, I'm going to replicate this, uh, th this time around in 2016. So like I'd done a lot of research, been contacting all these suppliers in China about the chairs and yeah, this was going to be my, uh, first million. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it fell through, uh, the deal I had with the, the Chinese to get the chairs. But when the Pope came, it ended up being this like monsoon of a day and only, a yeah, yeah, it was a washout and not the people didn't go. And I, so I, that was one of the ones I got away with. I could have lost a lot of money. But, How many chairs are you going to buy? I think I had like 10,000 chairs or 20,000 <laughs> chairs and I... I had all my friends looped in of how, where around the city we would position them to rent them out. Uh, people getting off the buses coming from from the country that we would, you know, get them the chairs. Anyway, it was all planned out, but but it fell through. That was just one idea. But yeah, it's just been constant kind of ideas in my head. And my family, my dad and my mom would have both been entrepreneurs. Looking back, I was like... Oh. I didn't really see that when I was, you know, when I went to college and stuff, maybe I was just kind of following the system a little bit. Okay. And that could be, that's like a generational thing as well. Like a lot of our parents maybe didn't go to college. So it was like, okay, I want to get my son and daughter to college. And that was the main thing. So maybe we were listening to that and it's like, okay, I need to go and do my law degree, something solid. And uh, yeah, maybe I, I didn't open my eyes early enough to like entrepreneurship and that's really where my passion uh, lied. So it came to me a little bit later, kind of more, I'd say like 22, 23, that's when it started to, yeah, it was just constant ideas. Um, so yeah, I'd always had that itch to get out of the corporate world and then I kind of hit on uh, CBD um, through a kind of a, a couple of personal stories. And that's where the idea for ethos sparked. And I was like, okay, now this is the, this is the idea I want to, this isn't, this is more than the chairs. Like this is the idea I want to take further and make a business out of it. So we made that leap, probably looking at the business three or four years, but it, we're only, uh, I suppose, selling a year. So it took a good while to get it off the ground. So right in the middle of the pandemic, then we, uh, we launched ethos. Yeah. It, do you know, great. Time, great timing. You have to do it in now. Like there's no other timing to it. Like you hear people, yeah, there's no waiting around. Like I think the timing is just in the moment. So that's just how the cards were dealt. And I don't think it's, it's has adversely affected us. Like I think it helped us in, in certain ways. So yeah, you can have all these great plans. Like we were hoping to launch it, say six or nine months earlier, certain things fell through. So yeah, you just kind of have to, to to roll with it. Yeah, it's a great lesson. And I love that you said that is there is there is no better time than now when you want to do something. People are always talking about big life decisions, like when we have a child or get married or mm. start my business or do that thing I want to do. And it's a cliche, but 
it might all end tomorrow, so there is no better time to do it than now. Yeah, I, I've really learned that, like, through some personal circumstances over the last few years. And again, it's probably, I, I think there's a lot more information out there now that probably, again, that our parents didn't have. So for them, was all this focus on retirement and getting that pot of money together for this beautiful day, whenever it's going to happen. And a lot of people don't make it there or their pension, you know, it's... Uh, uh, their pension like fails, you know, there could be a bad time in the economy and that kind of thing. So it's all this dream. And and again, that was just companies that package these beautiful houses in Spain and all yeah. this. Um, but I think uh, people now with the information we have, I'm hoping more people can realize that like it is about the now yeah. and really to, to go for it and uh, stop waiting for this day when to come. Like so... Um, yeah, I know it can be cliched and overused and for people who are struggling, like it, it can maybe be a little bit of a uh, hearing this all the time can be maybe a bit irritating. But the more that we can try, you know, really enjoy today now, like what's the that's the thing myself and Amy um, the partner in, in the business and my fiance, I've been saying like, like, yeah, if it's a success in five years, but geez, we haven't enjoyed any of the five years. Like it's absolutely pointless. So easier said than done. You know, you have your very stressful days, but like we have to enjoy the the journey. We have to try celebrate the little wins and reflect a little bit more. And yeah, it is easier said than done, but you have to stop sometimes and go, geez, yeah, we've actually done quite a bit in the last two or three months. That Like if we'd known if we'd been in this position, if we look back and we'd been in this position, we would have been delighted with where we are. So yeah, it's trying to enjoy that journey a bit uh, as, you yeah, know, as cliche as sometimes sounds. It is cliche, but it, it's funny because I explore this with a lot of different people and already I've dragged you off topic, but well, <laughs> welcome to the Primal Podcast. Yes. <laughs> what is topic? <laughs> I explore this with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives and living in the now and it's cliche and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I'm a huge believer in it. My personal experience, I always get pulled out of the now. I'm always freaking myself out yeah. about the future and what if and buts and all that kind of stuff. So I know what that feels like and most people do as well. And I also sympathise, because you mentioned there quite rightly, people who are in difficult circumstances. I do sympathise because sometimes someone might listen to a podcast with me and you on a Friday morning, chilling out with a cup of tea. Everything is great and dandy. We can have these great philosophical conversations. It's not like that for everybody. Um, I feel very privileged to be able to have you here and have this conversation with you. But most people are, not most people, many people are really struggling to make ends meet or feed their families or take care of sick relatives. So I always try and find someone wiser than me to, to have this conversation with. And I've gotten some really good answers and information from lots of people. Everybody does have a choice, even in some of the most dire situations in the world. And I, I can't remember who I was speaking about, uh, maybe it was Owen, about this. Even somebody who's in a, co a concentration camp or somebody who's really on the poverty line and in a horrible, horrible situation, they still have decisions. Now, they're not the same decisions and liberties that I have and that you have, but there's still a decision there. But most of the people who are listening to me right now aren't in those situations. They're they're pretty much on a par with us. Now, mm. there's different circumstances, obviously. But that means that we have a lot more power to make decisions. And one of those decisions is to appreciate things that are now, and that sounds cliched, but gratitude for what we have right now and to really embrace and enjoy that. So when I hear you say, now is the time, I've talked to so many people about this. It's bringing all this stuff up for me. It absolutely sounds cliche, but it's so true. Now is the time to do all these different things. And for you, obviously, it's it's, it's resulted in an, an amazing journey over the last year. Yeah. Um, but 
you mentioned to me, and I, I listened to your podcast with Pat Diffley before, and shout out to Pat because he, yeah. he, he hooked us up, he, he put did, the connection yeah. together. Good man, Pat. Good man, Pat. Um, but I listened to your podcast, and I know that you have the, the backstory that you mentioned there. Would you mind talking with, to, to me a little bit about that story and what led you specifically down this route in terms of health and wellness? You had your own personal experience. Yeah, so it is about four years ago. I went through a period probably, I think it was around nine months of like really poor health. Um, and the the best way I could describe it was I just kind of had like a cloud over my head every day. I was irritated, had a bit of a kind of a headache that didn't go away. I was just a little bit hot, like like when the flu was coming on, but it never got as bad as the flu. So I wasn't in a position that I couldn't go to work every day because I didn't feel that bad. But when I was at work, I wasn't able to really perform. I had just, you know, brain fog. Um, like I played a lot of sports all the way up. Like I was very fit at the time. But then I noticed then when I was starting to, I couldn't get it through even a half a game without, I couldn't breathe properly. And I just didn't really know what was happening. So um, it went on for a certain. Then I was like, okay, I have to take a bit of action. So went to the doctor, uh, I think it was two or three times. And I suppose my main symptom at the time was a, uh, was a kind of a migraine or pain in the, in my sinuses side of my head. So I received uh, two or three rounds of uh, antibiotics to treat that uh, that pain. But I was just getting worse and worse after taking them. So then I remember my mum brought me to a Chinese medicine doctor. I think I tried acupuncture. I was kind of in that position and a lot of people get there where you're just willing to try anything because your day-to-day your day-to-day life, you know, when you're healthy, uh, there's all these things you want, you know, there's there's a huge list of them. But then when you're unhealthy, only there's, there's only one thing you want and it just becomes very simplistic. You just want to be able to do those normal things. You're not thinking about anything else. So I was kind of in that position that I was willing to try anything. Uh, still nothing was working. So then I went to I went to a family friend who's a, who's a functional medicine doctor and she did a complete review of what, what was happening in my life, where I was living, you know, the conditions, what I was eating um, everything. She just went to the core of it uh, and I had like a really good two hour meeting with her. Uh, and then she, she from that analysis, she pinpointed that it was, I, I'd done kind of intolerance tests as well to see the food I was eating. And there was a couple of things that showed up there around dairy and yeast. So she reckoned that it was the gut, a gut issue, and that my microbiome had become come damaged and that I had, I think it's called leaky gut is the term mm-hmm. for it. So basically it's when your gut becomes permeable and, uh, your gut starts to look at food, certain foods as kind of invaders on your body and they seep into your bloodstream and then they just cause inflammation. They just cause chaos in the body. So that's what was happening with me. And then these antibiotics, conversely, like, you know, they were trying to help me, but they were actually just making things worse because they were they were actually destroying all the good bacteria unbeknownst to myself. So every time I was going to the doctor, it was actually just making things worse, unfortunately. So... She put me on a completely new diet at the time, cut out some foods. Sugar was the big thing. So oh, it's going back to yeah, sugar, doesn't it? Yeah. So that was a real eye opener for me. Like, like, and I, as I said, I didn't have a bad. I, in my view, I didn't have an overly. It was just a normal diet. Like I thought I ate pretty well, but looking back now, I was having a few squares of chocolate every night 
with the lads. I was probably, when we were living with the lads and there was, yeah, there was probably a good bit of sugar in my diet um, and I have a sweet tooth. But yeah, her big thing was sugar, cut it out. So I'd say I cut out 90, 95% of my sugar, uh, a lot more plant-based. And then she introduced me to a few food supplements at the time. Uh, and then CBD was one of them. So that was that was kind of the first uh, thing that sparked my interest in CBD. Um, I'd always had a kind of a, an interest in the cannabis space where I was going because when I was living in San Francisco, it was starting to take off there. Uh, they had the dispensaries and that kind of thing. And it was just, it was talked about more. Um, and then uh, simultaneously to my own personal issues, like two family members were using it for pain and then uh, another neighbor was using who was going through cancer treatment and was struggling with her platelets levels which have to be at a certain level to be able to get your chemotherapy and nothing was really working from her and she took CBD and boom the platelets levels went up so I was like okay all these things are happening at the one time Uh, and then I needed to get CBD for myself Uh, there was nothing I could really find in Ireland there was a couple of companies doing it um, but I didn't think there was anything of real quality and reputable enough. So I went to America at the time to, or like I bought products in from America at the time. Um, so I was like, all right, why can't we do something here? Um, and then I seen the industry was starting to kind of take off. So that's what I, okay, I want, we want to do products here and we want them to be products that target specific needs. So CBD being the main element of them, the core of them, but blended with other adaptogens, uh, which are herbs that kind of help the body fight stress and have been used like for hundreds and hundreds of years in the East mainly. Mm-hmm. But now we're starting to open our eyes to them in the I'm West. A big believer, yeah. by the way. In, in adapted, do, yeah. do you take adaptogens? My, my first exposure, well, I, I, I had always heard about them, knew about yeah. them, but again, very lazy, didn't do my research. Mm. So just kind of it's like, that's a very interesting area there. Someone's going to come along and tell me about it one day. But uh, Four Sigmatic, the company Four Sigmatic and their mushroom products, they used to put it in their coffees and their teas and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm give it a crack. It's a mainstream product. I'll try this. And re- I really, really did notice a difference because I'm very, very sensitive to caffeine. One of their products had, um, I think it was ashwagandha, ashwagandha yeah. in it. And uh, I like really noticed when I drank a cup of this, super calm, super clean energy. The caffeine didn't set me off. So I was like, okay, there's definitely something here. And then when I found out you had these type of herbs and adaptogenic substances in your products, I was, again, very, very interested. So you've, you've started explaining there before yeah. I cut you off. No, maybe, no, maybe no. Can... The ashwagandha yeah. is is our big, so that's in our balance oil. So it's the CBD and ashwagandha blend, which is like by far our biggest seller. Really? And when we decided to put ashwagandha into it, say two and a half years ago like nobody knew what ashwagandha was yeah. it's been fortuitous for us in in a business perspective because now ashwagandha has blown up like ashwagandha is is on everyone's radar more so nearly than cbd so funnily enough some people are buying that product just because nearly has ashwagandha That's classic, yeah so like was yeah two years ago it was ashwell what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now everyone knows about it so that's been lucky for us but yeah it was it was about blending these adaptogens and other herbs um, with the CBD to to target specific kind of well-being needs. And there was a lot of products out there. It, it was quite uh, confusing from a customer's perspective, like how to decide between one CBD oil over the other. So it's nearly, a, it's you know, it's making it easier for the customer as well. Like we've designed this product for this need. If you can relate to that need and that's something that you might need, you might need then that's that's the kind of product for you. Okay. Um, so it just makes it li- even a little bit easier f- for the customer. So let's 
get into the science a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. Some people might, might be listening and might not be familiar with CBD. So would you mind giving me a bit of a breakdown on CBD and what it is first? And then we can kind of go a little bit deeper. Cool, yeah. So CBD is a molecule uh, that's found in the, the flowers of the hemp plant. So hemp uh, is part of the cannabis family. It's cannabis sativa is the, is the strain of it. So it's like the, they say it's like the cousin to the marijuana plant. So okay. they look... Uh, very similar, have similar smells, but the hemp wouldn't be as strong. But their chemical makeup is is what makes them different. So in marijuana, you have a lot of, or weed as people know, you have a lot of TH, the THC level is very high. Um, it could be, you know, 15% and up and it's getting stronger as they breed different strains together. So THC level is very high. So THC is the is the other mo- other famous molecule. That's the molecule that can produce psychoactive effects or the high um, that's sold kind of on the street here in Ireland, but in dispensaries and stuff in the States. Hemp being the cousin of marijuana, hemp instead has high CBD content and very low THC. So CBD doesn't produce any of these psychoactive effects. You know, it's been the World Health Organization have come out and put their stamp of approval on it that it's very safe to be taken. Um, so that's been a great like approval for for the industry. So, yeah, that that's the main difference, I suppose, between CBD and, and THC. One has a psychoactive effect, one doesn't. Um, so, yeah, CBD, it's found in the hemp plant. Luckily that we can grow hemp uh, legally in Ireland uh, and in other European countries. Um, and yeah, CBD is kind of shot to fame over the last few years. It's been, the molecule is extracted from the plant and then it's it's added to different products. So be it an oil product like we have, or we have a, a balm that's used in the skin. It's used in drinks, food products. I like it got a little bit crazy for a while mm. because with all these new industries and uh, yeah, it gains a bit of momentum. People are starting to add it to everything just to make a quick book. Like I had, there was companies in the States that were adding it to like pillows and stuff. Like that. As if, so like no way that the molecule, no way that CBD can even be absorbed into yeah. your body, but just add it to everything and make some quick money. And for us, uh, as a company, and I'm sure other companies out there as well in the space, that that was kind of it was pretty annoying because, like, you're trying to do it, you're trying to create products for health reasons, um, and and yeah, to help people, and like a lot of this kind of noise and adding it to everything is nearly taken away from the therapeutic properties of it. And if I can see why people looking in from the outside and they're just like, oh, it's in that, it's in that. Uh, and then he, people are hearing it does all these things, you know, that just creates a confusion and a bit of doubt and a bit of uh, scepticism or yeah. cynicism about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's not helpful. Now, those products, they kind of, they are dying away already and there's been a bit of a consolidation. Um, so, yeah, that that's, that's a little bit about CBD and kind of where it comes from the plant. Can I just say on that point, you made two very good points there. One, a very common misconception, CBD does not have psychoactive properties. Yes. Even even in bigger doses, doesn't have psychoactive. No, it doesn't. Okay, because that's one and thing. And it's non-addictive. And it's uh, non-addictive. Yeah, because yeah. there is a there is a misconception among some people who don't understand CBD. Oh, that's cannabis. Oh, it's addictive. Oh, it's a gateway drug, and all of a sudden, so that's yeah, that's common what, misconception. One. Go that's on. the major one, and that's what we're trying to do a lot is educate on that because people are 
people get recommended it by their friends and stuff and when they're going into pharmacies or health food stores they're still afraid to ask for it like I think I was saying to you before <laughs> it's like condoms in the <laughs> yeah. 80s or 90s you yeah. know it's like have you got the CBD yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's one misconception we're trying to our myth we're trying to bust yeah, yeah. and then you pointed out a very important thing with tr- uh, trends it's, it's trends it's the same as anything you, CBD anything that's effective it comes it, it be, it appears on people's radars because it's effective. So CBD oil is obviously effective. So be, oh, CBD oil. Then everybody wants a piece of it, so it blows up, and they're putting it into everything, like whey protein, whey protein water, protein bars, protein fucking everything. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of issues with that. As you said, like the dosage might be completely off the, off the wall. The type of product they put in there with whey protein particularly, there's so many different types and the, the how it's how it's formulated and how it's made, the bioavailability, the efficacy, none of that is done in, in a vast majority of these kind of trend products. Um, you can even, something like mental health is even the same. Obviously, mental health is an important issue, but when people realize that other people are interested in this, there's a business opportunity to capitalize on it. It's everywhere. Yeah. There's a form of kind of social social uh, wealth to be gained from being part of this movement, but it discredits the actual real science or the real issue. And you see this with loads of issues, but it's, almost exactly what you've described there with CBD as well. Yeah. It comes on, oh, this works. Everybody puts it on everything. It undermines the real value that some people could get from it. Because I know many, many people, myself included, who would have taken CBD products in the past that are that I now know are way so par, way so par in terms of dosage or the type of CBD or the strain or where it came from with the purity and didn't have any positive effects and it tasted brutal. Mm. So now you're gone off CBD forever where it could potentially have really, really beneficial effects for you or your family. So it's just, it's just these trends you see. It is, yeah. Uh, and it can get frustrating. Very you know, frustrating. like it can get frustrating, but I suppose we just need to stick to the the reason we got involved in it. Yeah. And I think we're seeing now after a year, like people understand, you know, they're bought into the quality. They know what we're trying to do. They know we're, we're not trying to be like a flash in the pan that, you know, we're trying to do it for the right reasons. Uh, and then hopefully that will, you know, people will see that and hopefully that will win out from the business perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a little bit of a bugbear, you yeah. know, but that's what we have to do. With. Okay, so you mentioned that's what CBD is. What effect does it have on the human body, on this endocannabinoid system? Yeah. This beautiful ECS I keep seeing everywhere. Yeah, the ECS that, like a lot of people won't know about the endocannabinoid system. It is fascinating. And the research is in its real infancy Uh in the with with regards to the endocannabinoid system and in cannabis uh, in general, so because like uh, there was such taboo over cannabis and it's kind of been banned for like a hundred years or whatever, um, people weren't investing in the medical research. But now that things have changed and uh, cannabis has been uh, both from the THC and CBD side that it's being approved as medicines in you know, in the States and now Germany have, have they already have a medical market. Now they've uh, legalized it from a recreational point of view. And there's, it's just, it's nearly every week there's a new country from a medical point of view. So now that there's money to be made in the medicines, there's so much investment in the research and there's like six or 700 clinical trials ongoing at the moment. Wow, so wait, Yeah, wow. so wait till you see over the next, uh, and like, you know, doctors aren't really speaking about it now, but wait till you see over the next five to 10 years once those trials uh, are finished and come to fruition and the amount and the research that's been done on the endocannabinoid system, which we will get into, yeah. 
like you'll see so many new medicines, you'll see so many new uses for it, and it'll just completely transform it. Um, it's kind of like the um, the uh, psychedelic research at the moment, John Hopkins and all that. All of a sudden, I listened to someone funny the other day. They said forty years ago, everybody was into psychedelics and MDMA and LSD and mushrooms and all this kind of stuff, and then the government just banned it. Mm. But now all of a sudden they're starting to research it again. So did it just not work for the last 40 years or had they not figured out how to make money off it for the last 40 years? But now they are. Yeah. So there's huge money in, I know, psychedelics anyway um, at the moment. I think psychedelics are just, they're just slightly behind cannabis in terms of that wave, but that's the next. The next phase. Yeah, that's the next big uh, research area, investment area. I can see it because a lot of the contacts I've made through the business and they're very interested in that space and, I can see a lot of investment going there now as well. So that that is the next big thing. Um, in terms of the endocannabinoid system, so it's a system we all have in our bodies. We wouldn't have learned about it at school and it wouldn't be in your school books, kind of because it wasn't really researched. So the best way to describe it, so if you think about your body as an orchestra, right, and you've all these systems in your body and they're like pieces of the orchestra. So you have like your nervous system, your digestive system, your endocrine system, all these systems and they're pieces of the orchestra. The endocannabinoid system is like the conductor of the orchestra. So its job is to keep everything in tune, in flow, working as it should be or in balance really. So the kind of the sacred state uh, for the human to be healthy is this state of balance or equilibrium called homeostasis. So it's once we're in that state, all our systems can work as they should. Our body can heal properly. It can fight its inflammation. Uh, it can restore. Uh, yeah, and think, and like you can feel healthy and well. Um, so we're trying to achieve that balance or, uh, or homeostasis. And the endocannabinoid system as the conductor it has a key role in this and its job really is to create this balance in the body so everything can work as it should. Um, and if your endocannabinoid system isn't working or functioning as it should or gets out of whack, uh, then it can cause chaos in the other systems that can then cause inflammation, pain, digestive issues, sleep issues. Um, and I suppose when we're stressed, uh, our endocannabinoid system gets depleted and doesn't work as it should. So you have to supplement it. And that's where CBD comes in. So the endocannabinoid system, and and if I if it gets a little too sciencey. I love it. Man. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> so the endocannabinoid system is made up of neurotransmitters. So they just kind of float around your body. Uh, and then it's also made up of receptors, which are found in all your main organs, your brain and all the systems I spoke of there. So these little neurotransmitters float around and attach to the receptors, and then they cause biological or chemical uh, reactions from that that help your your body uh, to, to find balance and work as it should. But when we're stressed and stuff, these neurotransmitters can become depleted. So we need to supplement them with external uh, cannabinoids and that's what CBD is so you, you ha- this just shows how closely related to plants we are we have these molecules floating around in our body uh, just that we naturally produce they're exactly the same nearly like um, from a scientific perspective and a, and a molecule structure as CBD so like we're, we're the plants in us have these same molecules um, so yeah the CBD really if you're thinking again about the analogy of the conductor 
the CBD is like the coffee the conductor needs or (laughs) everything the conductor needs to work as it should. And if the conductor's feeling off, you know, it it needs that cup of coffee or whatever. Um, And it needs to supplement the system when it's down. Um, And I think that's, that's that's science bit. And I know it is, you know, you have to be really want to learn about that. Like most people, I know when I take vitamins, if you ask me how do vitamins actually work, like... I'd be I'd be stumped, you know. Yeah. I know they're good for me, um, and most people like we do research with our customers. They're like, "Do you know how it works?" And they're like, "No," but I don't really I don't care. care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I know it works. I don't care how. Um, but kind of going back to like when you hear people like CBD helps with sleep, CBD helps with anxiety, it helps with pain. And then people are like, how does it help all these things? But it's all down to the endocannabinoid system. If we can get a healthy endocannabinoid system, then we can fight inflammation, which will help with your pain, which actually helps with everything, really. Yeah. Like your everything's interlinked. There's also, interestingly, w- one of those n- neurotransmitters that I spoke about that's in the endocannabinoid system. There's two major ones. One of them, anandamide is the name of it. Anandamide actually its job is to create like happy feelings um, in the body. Uh, so it, it, anandamide actually comes from the Sanskrit word for joy and bliss. And if your anandamide is degraded in your body, then it's very hard to feel good uh, and create those good endorphins. So CBD, one of its main jobs is to stop the degradation of the anandamide, to stop it being broken okay. down. So that's one of the key roles. That's why a lot of people will take it for, you know, more stress, anxiety stuff. Um, so that's, yeah, that's another kind of interesting uh, thing, uh, effect that the CBD has, it stops that being being broken down. But yeah, kind of what I was trying to like summarize is, it's if we can get that healthy endocannabinoid system, that's why it can help all these different things. Yeah, that's why it fascinated me. And you said something really important there. We didn't learn about this in school, right? Yeah. And uh, myself and you, what age, what age do you mind me asking? I'll cut this 30, 30. You're 30, right? I'm yeah. 33. So we went to school roughly around the same time. Yeah. Uh, this is not, again, I, I'm very careful about how I say this because I have a huge amount of respect for doctors, nurses, the medical system, all that kind of stuff. But if we didn't learn it in school, that means when our doctors went to school, they didn't learn it either. So it's not in the curriculum for anybody. We're only learning about this now. So traditionally, it takes a long time for industry or systems to catch up with new research and to implement it and to to allow it to get through all the red tape and the regulations and stuff like that. So this is not something that will be recommended or spoken about in the vast majority of cases when you're talking to a healthcare professional. And it's not in their remit and they're not told to and it's not their fault. But if this is a conductor that can link all the different systems in our bodies, and it's, an, it's insane to think about this because how important... It is to have a link between all of these different systems. We think about our nervous system and that controls our muscles. But we don't think about another system there that connects the nervous system with the lymphatic system, which are organs, which are connective tissue, which are brain, with how you're feeling with it. It's absolutely outrageous. This is if you if you can get down to this root cause, this root issue, mm. all the downstream issues that you're having that we're treating as symptoms could start to resolve and do start to resolve. We see this over and over again in the research now with the endocannabinoid system. So it's fascinating from that perspective. And this is why I'm so passionate about speaking to people like you on microphone where people, and this is why I was laughing when we were going into the science, like if we can learn more about this ourselves and empower ourselves and understand, we can start to do more for ourselves and stop relying on the doctor to fix us. Mm. So it's very, very powerful to have this information, number one. And then number two, 
if more and more of us do this, it becomes mainstream. And then we all know about it and we can all discuss it more and there's more, as we see, I've seen now, there's more money and more research and then it does become mainstream. So very, very powerful and important. And you said something there about inflammation. On almost every single conversation I have in medical context, inflammation comes up right down to the very latest podcast that actually just released yesterday. Now, this is going out next Tuesday. So mm-hmm. it'll be a few days ago I released this with Owen Lacey on the immune system. Inflammation. It's all about inflammation. If you have inflammation in your system, and again, we boiled it down to sugar eventually, yeah. but poor lifestyle, and um, poor, poor diet, poor habits, poor sleep, high stress, etc., 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 causing chronic inflammation in your system. Is it the what would the, the the second the second type of receptor is the CB two receptor? Yeah. I don't want to get bogged down in the science, yeah. but w- one of these receptors that's very effective at um, with the in the endocannabinoid system specifically helps control inflammation. So if we're not thinking about that and we're just trying to target inflammation. That's a problem. If we can understand how powerful that receptor or CBD could potentially do for us, because inflammation can cause thousands of issues in your body. A lot of those, I'm not going to say will be fixed, but there's help in resolving a lot of those different things alongside changing your lifestyle and improving your diet and getting better sleep and all the other things. But understanding this means now we're not going to specifically try and treat each individual symptom. Like I have sore hands. I know a lot of people with sore extremities. Mm who've changed their lifestyles, didn't take any medications. Now, I'm not recommending this, but didn't take any medications and all of their pain went away and they didn't do anything. No physio or stretching or or anti-inflammatories or anything like that. They changed their lifestyles, modified their diets, had less stress and their pain went away. And I'm like, now we're seeing actual results that backs up everything that you've just said there about these other systems that you can kind of target. And and they weren't taking CBD, by the way, but it's another tool that you could use. Well, I think it's... Like, yeah, it must be said, like CBD is, it is a food supplement. Like we, we would always say that it has to start with the diet. It's just, it's just one of your tools. Um, And yeah, it it always starts with the diet. And a lot of those issues that you say around people with sore extremities and stuff like that. Again, if you boil that down, that that's inflammation and it's the body attacking certain tissues because it's not the foods that you're consuming, either they're highly processed and not healthy, or sometimes people are intolerant to healthy foods that you would say, but their their body doesn't see them as healthy foods. Again, it sees them as pathogens or invaders. So then it goes to attack certain parts of the body and inflame those parts of the body. Um, I even had it myself recently with uh, uh, my fingers were just getting inflammation around the knuckles. And then I I noticed I was eating a little bit more dairy again. It kind of crept back into my diet and it was just starting to t- attack my fingers. And then straight away I cut that out again and, you know, they went back as I was getting these pains. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not 85, like <laughs> yeah. I'm only 30. Um, but yeah, um, the, it, interesting enough as well, with the endocannabinoid system, there's more research coming out now that exercise actually helps uh regenerate and keep your cannabinoid level high. Here we go with the and exercise again. Yeah, with Maybe. the exercise, yeah. And then the they've done a lot of research on it recently and then the the biomarkers for inflammation go right down uh, and it, they've proven that it helps with pain and, and a couple of other issues. That exercise actually has this similar effect to, you know, even CBD. So yeah. there's a lot more factors that can affect this system. CBD being a, it's just a supplement really, you know, and we, it has to be, like, we have people getting onto us and they're hoping that the CBD, for some people it will be kind of a silver bullet if they've had like chronic insomnia. Yeah. It'll, with, with insomnia or sleep issues, it's nearly like breaking the cycle. And, you know, what CBD can do, it can have quite a, 
acute, quick effect on them. Not for everyone, but for some people. And then it can get their cycle. They get, you know, and then they get confidence in their sleeping again. And then, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's a lot of it with sleeping is just like your mind wandering. And then you're like, okay, I can never fall asleep. It's always two o'clock before I'll actually fall asleep. And you just. It's like a self fulfilling yes, prophecy. Then. Exactly. So what CBD you do is can, can nearly, um, you know, change that cycle up for you and get you back in a, in a good cycle. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think, as I was saying, the research like is only starting yeah. and I think we'll see all of these other things that can have an effect on the endocannabinoid system. But I think for people, it's just to be, to actually be aware of it and, um, and, and the, the powerful and therapeutic effects it can have on the rest of your systems. Yeah, I'm going to try a clever little segue here into a question I have for you. You mentioned exercise there. Um, exercise is a really interesting one as well because, it's again, it's about dosage and specificity and how appropriate that exercise is for you because if people hear exercise can help regenerate the endocannabinoid system, it doesn't mean going out and running 50 miles or ultra events or things that take an extreme toll on your body because exercise is a stressor as well. So exercise in the right context yeah. for you could be different than for me and I'm able for hopefully more than a 90-year-old woman is who's a- able for less than a 20-year-old is. So it, it is about being very specific and people hate hearing that. I actually love it because mm. it means you can get really individual with it. But we would like a silver bullet, go do 10 squats and 100 miles and whatever, and that, that's your, but it's, it does depend for everybody. And on the topic is my clever segue of effective dosages yeah. with CBD. One of the issues that I have always come up against with CBD, and I think a lot of people do, is dose. And a lot of the research that I've seen, now again, I didn't dive deep into the research, but I looked at a few studies and some of the studies are done on super, super high dosages. Mm. But then I kind of looked at what they were the results they were looking for and it was in extreme cases of schizophrenia and trying to combat addiction and yeah. so was like, that kind of made sense to me then because when I looked at some of the dosages and some of the products that maybe I would have taken five or six years ago it was negligible so it was on the other end of the scale um, so would you mind having a, a little kind of chat with me about dosages um, what what kind of dosage should people be looking for in a product that has CBD? And I know it completely depends on the product and, and the, the result. And there's no, I couldn't see any congruency between this is the recommended dose of CBD. Yeah. It really depended on what the person was hoping to achieve from using CBD. And it ranged from like, as I said, like one milligram, one milligram per day to I think the highest I saw was 7.5 grams or so seven and a half thousand milligrams. Okay. Now, what I did see when I did that was- That'd the, be expensive. That'd be very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, and I saw actually a link between- almost like um, GI issues, tummy issues and diarrhea mm-hmm. and stuff when they're using that level of CBD. So that's one milligram to seven and a half thousand milligrams was the range that was being quoted in all these different studies. But there was no real kind of this is the ideal. And then what I took from that was there is no ideal. It kind of depends. Would it be fair enough in saying that's that? That's exactly the answer. Okay. And unfortunately, like it can seem maybe like a wishy-washy answer when customers ask, but... We all have different uh, biological makeups. Yeah. Like we're all different sizes. Yeah. Uh, we we metabolize things differently and absorb them differently. Some products have different bioavailabilities than other. That yeah. means uh, more CBD gets into the bloodstream with some products than others. Um, so there isn't one one size fits all dosage. Unfortunately, people with more chronic issues. Uh, will naturally need a higher dosage. So we have two strength products. With our lower strength, you'll get 20 milligrams of CBD per day if you take it at the recommended dose that we say. You can take it higher or lower. Uh, 
with our higher strength product, you'll get 40 milligrams per day. 40 milligrams is a good, strong dose of CBD. It's not like those studies that you say, they seem to go extreme on the dosages, but I suppose it's sold as a food supplement and kind of as a wellness product. I think when they're doing those tests, they're doing them on these kind of extreme outlier cases, but it's not like your day-to-day customer that would... No, and I think just an important thing to clarify about the the landscape of medicine is if you are claiming there's a therapeutic effect to something that you're putting in somebody's body, it has to be classed as a pharmaceutical or... Which this isn't. Which it's not. It's a food food, supplement. It's a food supplement. That's very, that's an important clarification. So there's no, we can't make any health claims around it. Um, You know, even if someone asks, like we can kind of, we can point them to our are like independently verified reviews and people can look there and see, get a sense of, of how it's helping people. Um, but yeah, we have to be careful about that because it's it's not a medicine. Um, but, sorry, just to, just to give you a bit of weight behind what you're yeah. saying there as well. Conversely, remember how these things get approved. There's a system, systems behind it. There's people and systems and money and interests behind this. So it doesn't also necessarily mean that it won't help you no. with issues. You just, there's no, you can't make those claims. You can't make the claims, yeah. but I think the evidence is there that the it helps people. Like, you know, they're yeah. coming back every month. Like, that's our biggest uh, marker in the business and our kind of, is like, what's our repeat customer? Because that's like, that. then we know it's working for customers. And thankfully, it's it's very high. And like, that's the one we're always keeping an eye on. Are people coming back every month? Yeah. And we re- do realize it is an expensive product. And uh, something we touched on earlier, you know, around everyone can make a decision about the now, you know. Yeah. But wellness in, as an industry is, it's a privileged industry. And like to eat well, to eat organic, it costs, you know, to buy our CBD products, it's expensive. To to do a lot of the things that we consider in that wellness space, they are a bit of a privilege. So we do realize that. Um, but yeah, it's all about, pe- yeah, it, we can't make the medical claims, but like the evidence is just staring us there in the face. Um, uh, yeah, and on the dosage, so the, the guidelines by the, I think it's the European Safety uh, food safety would say not to take any more than 70 milligrams per day okay. um, of CBD. So our, our two products, one is 20 milligrams, one is 40. As I said, the chronic, uh, people with chronic issues will normally go for that higher strength and take around 40. Some people will even take a little bit more than the recommended do- dose, all the way up to 70 milligrams. People who are new to CBD with, I'd say, more milder issues will start with the lower strength. And You'll see some products out there, they'll use percentages, like they'll be like a 2% oil or 5% oil. That is high. It's highly confusing. I wish everyone just did it the same. So we've done it milligrams uh, by milligrams for a specific reason. First of all, every other food supplement is done that way. But second of all, you can then judge, okay, I take 20 milligrams per day. It's kind of working for me. It's not really. I need to up it to 30 or 40 and then like 40. Yeah, 40 is really working for me. That's kind of my sweet spot. Only by doing it in the milligrams can you judge then, uh, you know, yeah. what strength works for you. And I've just, I've noticed another, I don't know, is it a party trick they try on that? Is they don't give you the dose, the actual dose per milliliter. So they might say, yeah, there's a thousand milligrams in this product, but it could be a liter. Yes. So 
the dose is actually negligible. It's nothing. But they, it's like it's like the whey protein thing. We have whey burgers, but it could be one gram of whey protein in the burger. So that's not yeah. exactly you're not exactly getting the benefits of the protein from from that supplement. But it's in it, so they can say it's in it. Yeah. So when I talk about our uh, say forty milligrams per day, so we when we we recommend you take one mil of our oil per so day. Clarified. And yeah, in yeah, that yeah. one mil of oil is forty, 40 milligrams. milligrams. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um. The the just bring me back for, for a second to the hemp plant as well because mm. you you mentioned a couple of things on on Pat's podcast I found very interesting about how robust that plant is and all of the other things that it's used for yeah as well as obviously not just for getting CBD out of talk, talk me about hemp a little bit yeah CBD is, is only the kind of new yeah. new thing they're using hemp for like hemp has been was used for hundreds of years for multiple kind of industrial uses clothing bedding. Um, you can even make plastics out of it. Like it's this really robust, the stock of the hemp plant is really robust. And it, um, yeah, as I said, it was used for hundreds of years. And then in the early 1900s, because uh, hemp is the cousin of marijuana and it's in the same family, when there was a, when all marijuana was kind of uh, banned, uh, hemp unfortunately came under the same umbrella and was was also was also banned. So hemp kind of disappeared off to the face of the earth for like seventy or, or eighty years, or maybe a little longer. And now it's having its kind of renaissance. Um, and yeah, they they say I think they say there's like five thousand different uses for the plant. So it's wow. this extraordinary plant that we are not capitalizing on whatsoever. So first of all, it's it's. It's one of our real uh, powerful weapon that we have kind of in our armory for this, for sustainability and for, for climate change that we just haven't grasped onto yet. So hemp, uh, when it's grown in the field, it sequesters, a, I think, four or five times more carbon than a tree would. But a tree can take like 20, 30 years to grow. You can grow a from seeding to harvesting hemp, you can grow it in three months. Wow. And in, not in our climate now, but in, in warmer climates, you know, you could have three or four harvests a year. So the amount of carbon you can sequester from the atmosphere in, in a, by growing hemp. So like you have those benefits straight away. And then you have, when you harvest the hemp, all the, the reasons it can be used for, for making bioplastics and clothing, a sustainable uh, plant product that can be used for, for to make all these other products rather than petroleum being used for plastics. You could you can use the cellulose from the hemp plant to make plastics. Like the uses, but in Ireland anyway, and everywhere is catching up, but like we're we're just way behind here. So it's all well and good farmers growing some hemp, like because a lot of people are interested in growing it, but it's when you harvest it, how do you process it? How do you turn it into these things? That's where you need a lot of money. That's where the investment is just completely lacking. And farmers just don't don't have those facilities or the money. So that's where the push needs to come from the government. I'd love if, if it was even invested in like a centralized facility that could process, you know, if all the farmers could grow a certain amount, they get their fee for per acre of the crop. And then it goes to this centralized facility where they dry it because it has to be dried, processed for the different uses that I spoke about, and then sold on. Um, only un- until that investment is there, like the, just the farmers are kind of, you know, they're they're just going to lose out money on their crop, apart from, apart from a, a couple of them that are a bit further along. 
Um, so like Ireland has this, yeah, it has this crop here that's great for the land as a regenerative crop. It's very easy to grow. As you said, it's robust. It can grow in most conditions. It's great for the environment and then it has all these uses. So if we could just get the investment there and then create the markets for it, like because the markets are there, especially in China, they're looking for it for the clothing. Um, I know there's a couple of there's a company in Ireland using it for uh, hemp for clothing as well. But um, yeah, it needs that it needs that investment. So we're a long way behind how the industry is even set up here. There's you know a country the size of ours, and there's two separate hemp groups, like hemp uh, okay. lobbying groups or cooperatives. So like. I think that says a lot. You know, we need to get everyone on the one page. We need to get the right people fighting for it. Um, but like, I'm hesitant to say too much either. But like, I know we've been busy getting the business going. You know, being perfectly honest, like, I have I done enough to progress the hemp industry here? Probably not. Like, so I'm hesitant to, you know, talk about people in the industry until you do it yourself. So it's something that I... Yeah, it's just, you know, yourself, you have a lot going on. It's hard to do, but I'm hopefully as we can grow a bit more, then I can I can carve away a bit more time yeah. for that because just to grow the industry as as a whole. Well, there's a few things there. First, I'm laughing because there's a this is a, a, a substance that potentially steps in the toes of <laughs> big oil. <laughs> if you're able to... to and big pharma. And big pharma. So, like, people always ask these questions. It's funny sometimes to me. It's like, why isn't there more a push behind this? Well... I think your answer is there and like, yeah, people, they, yeah, people give out, say you're getting into these conspiracy theories. You don't want to get into them. No. The facts are like big pharma have, are having a, f firstly, on one side of things, they're starting to now invest in medical cannabis companies. So they're covering themselves, but like they realize that this is a, can be, can be potentially a push away from certain medicines and that's not what they want. And like the reality is they have closer links with our medicine boards and stuff than uh, the hemp industry or the cannabis industry. It's a lot stronger voices. There's a lot more money behind it. And it's definitely stalling things happening because as I've hopefully outlined there, like it, it's obvious, isn't it? Why, you know, what the fe the beneficial effects it can have on the climate and the products we can make out of it. It's like, it's a no brainer. So why is it not happening? Yeah. I think... Your answer is there, like yeah, and and again, it's something, and I don't like getting bogged down in, and I don't even like using the word conspiracy theory, but I think it's really, really important for for us to have these kind of discussions. If I ever have these kind of discussions, because anywhere there is financial incentive, the rules change. It's not conspiracy. It's how the world works. It's yeah. how business works. It's how everything works. If there is a financial incentive for something, the rules change. It's not about ethics and morals and what's good for the country. It's about how much money can we make and what's the bottom line. And it doesn't mean there's evil mind control madness at play here. Maybe there is. I don't know. But that's not what I'm saying. It's not what you're saying here either. It just means that if we, as the people, as consumers, as business owners, as, as the people who make up communities can understand that that's how the incentive model works. We can act differently instead of getting like I will, I'm never going out placarding against big bad pharma because I understand how that system works. And that's not how to live my life better or I might have my community live a better life. It's for you. It's creating better products and educating people. For me, it's trying to bring community together and educate people, educate myself. And once I know, I don't go hide under my stairs with my tinfoil hat mm. on and, and then try and burn down big bad pharma. It's, it's not about that. It's just about empowering myself to, to live a better, healthier, more fulfilled life and have other people do the same thing. And 
if you can create something that's valuable for your community and educate them, more people will be like that. And then we don't need to get angry at anybody because we have a little bit more control and maybe then we can come together and collectively fund hemp yeah. growth and have more great products and stuff like that. So, but I feel it's important to say that because some people listen to what you and I have just said there and go, oh, fix. I know, you can roll the eyes. Now. Yeah. It's not what it's about at all. No, it's not. I, I think our vote is important as well. And it's, it's only... You know, like I'm not very political or, you know, I vote every time there's an election, but do I do I really go into depth on it? Probably not. I'm just thinking now with, with where we're at with the climate and like it's staring us in the face and like we need to take a radical uh, crisis approach like we've done with COVID that I think really the next time the election comes around, like everyone, it, you know, we're, you're fighting for us, but like, you know, our kids and our grandkids and whatever. Like we really need to think hard anymore about our, our vote. And I, like, I don't know, I don't have a party, like who has the solutions, but I'm definitely going to keep my ear to the ground a bit more on who's got the ideas, who's actually going to make a push because uh, things aren't happening quick enough. And I think that is one of our powerful weapons uh, as a people. With all the other things we can do on a personal level, the, the, don't get away from it. Like that's where, that's where stuff happens at those tables. So... Yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going, going down, down the, the rabbit hole here. <laughs> we're definitely going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and and just uh, just a, fi a final point on that: you can vote with your feet as well. Yes, where you shop. And again, it, this yeah. is a privileged conversation as well, which I'm fully aware of because you pointed out it's more expensive to do these things. But everyone has, if you really believe in this, hmm. if you actually really believe in this, and you want to support and support local, and you're concerned about climate change, vote with your feet. You spend your money where, where you that's think it's it. going to be, and that's very important. But to, to not get completely sidetracked yeah, here, I, I, I appreciate. No, no, not at all. I brought you there, <laughs> I, and I appreciate you following me down the hole. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we talked about hemp there, and. The reason I brought you back from CBD to hemp is because I want to ask you a question about bioavailability and the quality of these products and things like full spectrum CBD. How you get the CBD out of the plant is important, as it is a lot of different foods and supplements is the extraction process and whether it goes through superheating processes and stuff like that is very, very important in terms of how your body reacts to it and consumes it. And we know now that a lot of like really high heat processed oils and stuff like that have an inflammatory reaction in our gut and in our system. Um, so how do you get, how do you get the figs and the fig growth? How do you get the CBD <laughs> out of the, the plant? And what are the different processes that, that are there? You mentioned they're quite expensive, um, but how does it work? Yeah, we use a cold press extraction technique. So yeah, there's there's uh, little to no heat involved at all. Um, which sorry, is, I, I, don't, I don't want to cut across it here, but just fine. to explain to people why that's important is when heat is involved in some of these processes, it can change the chemical makeup that's of it. these compounds and they can be very, very... That's exactly right. Yeah, it changes the chemical uh, makeup of it. Um, uh, there's two other extraction methods that are used. CO2 is used in extraction method. To be honest, that is a very clean extraction method and, and keeps the compounds intact. It's just not legal here yet, uh, but that would be the main extraction method they'd use uh, in the States, for example, for medical cannabis to extract THC and CBD. So, like, I'm definitely pro the, the CO2 extraction. It's just the way the cards are dealt here, that's the cold press is the extraction method we have to go to go use. You can also use ethanol or alcohol extraction. I would be less enamored by that um, because you can get traces of it in the products and it can, you know, it can affect it. Um, so they're the three main methods and the cold press is a, it's a beautiful extraction method, great natural extracts, no heat as you as you say, and just gives that. So when you say talk about full spectrum, 
That means we just extract all the compounds out of the plant in their most natural form. We don't tamper with them in any way. Um, you can also have um, you can also have broad spectrum extracts where uh, it can. Because I said in hemp, the THC levels are so low anyway, but in some products, uh, people re even remove the THC fully, even that tiny traces. So they put it through another method of distillation for that. Um, and then some people just isolate the CBD compound itself and just sell it with just CBD. So it doesn't have all the other compounds. But there's... Yeah, it's again, it's not a medical... It's not a medical proof, but there's a lot of great research out there about if you keep all the natural the plant in its most natural form all those compounds work synergistically together and have a much benefit greater beneficial impact than just if you use just CBD and it makes sense it's just keeping it in its its yeah. most natural form and there's loads of other the CBG CBE there's loads of other compounds in there as well and the research is starting to take take place in them as well and you'll see that they they have a lot of therapeutic properties in their own right so if we we're trying to keep it as, as natural as possible. Yeah. It reminds me of the uh, orange versus orange juice. Mm. Your body is not used to consider like people. There's a, a really common question people ask now, especially in like fitness and weight loss circles about, oh, fruit is bad for you because there's sugar in it. There's fructose in it. Where that might not necessarily be great for you is if you have a big glass of orange juice where you don't have all of the different the fibers and all the different compounds that are in an orange in the distilled concentrated orange juice, you'd get this massive influx of sugar or fructose and your body's like, whoa, we, we don't even know what this is because this didn't exist. This is not how we consume. But if you eat an orange, that is not bad for you. That's very good for you mm. with vitamins and minerals and the, the fructose in its natural form along with the fiber and your body knows how to break that down and process it as a whole as opposed to a glass of orange juice. And it kind of reminds me what you're saying yeah. there, like just, just extracting the one super condensed version of CBD as opposed to in its natural form, this is how we're supposed to consume this. I think we're doing that with a lot of things like, oh, you know, turmeric and curcumin. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They're isolating curcumin yeah. because like... Because it's sexy. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's cheaper to do. But again, by that functional medicine doctor I went to, she would have highly recommended that you take turmeric rather than just the isolated curcumin because of all those other yeah. uh, components in it yeah, that yeah. work together. Like that's the that's the natural, that's what's grown, I think is it grown in the ground turmeric? But anyway, that's it in its most natural form. So the, yeah, the more we can eat unprocessed, plant-based maybe, and in its most natural form, I think the better really because it's, as nature intended. As nature intended, yeah, yeah. And it's like I've been banging out a bit of whey protein all day today. Yeah. Eat an egg or a chicken breast yeah. or some other form of protein-rich food if it's plant-based or whatever, as opposed to relying on a whey protein. Because whey protein is, again, a supplement that's designed mm. just to help if you're really not getting there with natural foods. But natural foods are only going to get all the benefits of all the other elements that are involved, the micronutrients in the food. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, and then my last scientific question on CBD specifically is absorption. I think that I read somewhere about lipid-based absorption is better if it's how it's delivered into your system so in an oil as opposed to sublingual or anything else what's, yeah. what are the, the delivery methods the for delivery CBD? methods so um, the main method is an oil-based uh, product so we use organic MCT coconut oil as the as the base okay. for the product there's hemp seed oil and organic MCT oil in there so you're, you take the product, you take the oil under your tongue. The reason you do that is 
you can absorb the CBD directly into your bloodstream. You have these little mucous membranes under your tongue, so you can get it directly into the bloodstream there. So you you leave it under your tongue for like 45 seconds to a minute, get as much absorbed there as possible before you swallow, and then you'll have some down your normal system. Um, MCT oil is used to increase the bioavailability or, 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 and the absorption. So when you take the CBD into your body, uh, it'll obviously go into your stomach, some of the acids there, then it gets metabolized by your liver. So you're losing some all the time. And what you want is to get as much of that CBD into the bloodstream. So what MCT coconut oil, it actually allows you to absorb some of it through the lining of your stomach before it even gets to your liver. So again, you're getting more in there. So they say that MCT uh, coconut oil, if that's used as a base of your products or a carrier oil, you'll get three times more CBD into your bloodstream. So... That's one method of taking it. Um, there is also water-soluble CBD out there uh, where like, you can mix it in with a glass of water. You can get sach- sachets. That's a very bioavailable method as well, and it's a very good method. Uh, again, we're a little bit constrained here in terms of what we can use from an extraction, distillation, to get it into that format, but that's definitely a very interesting way of taking it. Um the other, there's transdermal patches that I've heard of that, that you can get it into your skin in a, in a certain point. We we have a BAM product as well that's rubbed onto the skin. Uh, the amount of CBD getting into the bloodstream is negligible in that method, but you have the endocannabinoid system is in your skin as well. So you have receptors in your skin. So say if you have a really sore thumb, for example, you can get the CBD into the receptors there in the skin. It's not going into the, your your bloodstream per se, but it's having a more targeted effect on that particular area. Um, I think they're, they're the main methods. Some people smoke C- <laughs> CBD as well. Um, it's probably the way of getting the most instant kick of it, Like, but most people that's they don't want to smoke they don't like to smoke or whatever so yeah. they they won't go for that method I am so happy you explained that last bit about the skin there because I was I was going to have to call you I was going to have to call you on it because yeah. a lot of people claim with topical products massive amounts of product entering the bloodstream and your skin is one of the most effective barriers in the world yeah. if not the most effective barrier in the world but the fact that there's endocannabinoid receptors in the skin and that's what you're targeting that gives me a lot of confidence yeah, in, in how this will So work. like with athletes, obviously tested athletes, we normally advise that they... Yeah, of course. There's always the chance. You never know. You never know. And like you don't want... They don't want to put their, their careers on the line. Plus some of the testing facilities out there, uh, distinguishing between... They're getting better, but distinguishing between THC and CBD because they're such close, you know, in nature, yeah. even though they have such dramatic different effects... You never know what could pick up, but definitely for athletes, like one of the any normal athlete can use the oils or the or the, or the BAM. But for I think the BAM would actually be fine with athletes because there's not uh, CBD isn't getting into the bloodstream or it's very negligible if any that gets in. So it's it's just topical, as you say, yeah. but it can have a very powerful effect, like at the skin level or at the muscle. Muscle level. Disclaimer. No, uh, no liability here. No, yeah. actually, it's used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does CBD. We need to put well, in a disclaimer <laughs> yeah, at the end of this yeah. for everything. Um, <laughs> and just because you mentioned it there, the big bad brother that everybody talks about of CBD, THC. Yeah. It's not just a crazy psychoactive substance that is should be uh, kind of made evil. It's There's serious benefits to THC as well, potentially. Now, it's not in your products. No, it's not in our products, but there is serious benefits. Like there's... there's uh, Medical products now with THC yeah. that are approved by the F- FDA and in Europe and they're being used. 
Ireland, Ireland started its medical cannabis program in 2019. So I drafted the legislation around it. So for the, it was a big step at the time. That for, so for the first time, patients in Ireland were, were going to be able to get medical cannabis products uh, through prescription. So they are, their products with THC in them, uh, they're normally a blend of CBD and THC. It could be one for one ratio or there's d- lots of different ratios and you use the different ratios for different things you're trying to treat. So that bill was brought in in 2019. Then I suppose COVID happened then, everything went quiet, but it was actually July of this year, of 2021, when we approved our first, I think it was three products that, that now someone should be able to go and get a prescription for. Now, the whole program, I don't think it's kind of been set up to fail again. And the amount of prescriptions that have been given out, I'd say you could count them on, on one hand. So it's not really working as it should be. And again, it's, again, this isn't attacking the, the medical system. We had They had the right people advising it from a medical standpoint here in Ireland, but they never brought in someone to advise it from a, a medical cannabis standpoint, who's done the research there, okay. who's worked in the States or in the markets that are ahead of us. It was just medical people, uh, traditional medical people in Ireland. And their their views are very important, but they needed to bring in someone as well from the medical cannabis industry who's, who's trained in that, um, which was never done. So there was three three specific uh, conditions when you're you're allowed to get a prescription for I think multiple cirrhosis chemotherapy if you're have a lot of nausea and other uh, tablets haven't worked and I forget the last one um the the big omission was chronic pain and that was what bothered a lot of people because wow. um we have such a chronic pain issue in Ireland I think there's 700,000 people in Ireland that have chronic pain. 700,000? Yes. That's a significant percentage of the population. Yes. And a good percentage of them have like really debilitating chronic pain. So wow. chronic pain, I think, is defined as pain you have for, I could be wrong, but I think it's 30 days or yeah. more, maybe slightly less. But then out of that, I couldn't believe the number. And then out of that 700,000, a lot of that's debilitating, like day to day, I can't go to work, I can't do this. And these people... They need medical cannabis products. They're actually getting them anyway. They're just going to have to either get them off the black market or some families are having to go to to Holland to get them and spend thousands. Um, So like they need these products to to live their lives. And like these products, as you say, they're not going to make them higher and they're done at the right dosages that can affect their their pain and stuff and make it tolerable. Like, so I just... It does bother me that we have these people that are that are struggling day to day and there's a solution there for them. They've tried like these people have tried all the heavy meds, they've tried the steroids, they've tried everything because they're they, you know, they want to get better. Yeah. But they're being they haven't worked and they're suffering. And we have this solution. And in all these other countries, we're seeing it happen. But unfortunately for these people, they're they're gonna be the last, or not, they won't be the last, but they'll be, you know. It's delaying being able to help these people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, THC certainly isn't the enemy, and it has a lot of use in these in these medical products. Yeah, look, um, one of the things you brought there, we'll touch on now because we're going to dive into functional medicine in a little bit. Um, in in terms of the the, 
a lot of the time when you're taking medications, side effects of medications, and a lot a lot of medications that I read about only before you came in here can significantly impair the endocannabinoid system. So you're taking a medication to deal with a symptom that is potentially being caused by a disruption in your endocannabinoid system, and it's interfering with that same system. So you're not. Ne- it's not no surprise to me why those traditional medications aren't necessarily helping in certain cases. Now they're fantastic for some things, but yeah. for a lot of things, they're not the right approach. And they could actually be making it worse. And then the second thing you mentioned, then this is a controversial thing to say, and it's it's not not a discussion for today. But I make the point because you said it. There's a there's a constant a lot of people saying, but it won't make them high. But if somebody is in pain and they want to make a decision about their own health and their psychoactive properties to the substances and they're aware of them and understand them. There's an argument to be made there to allow that person to make a decision for their own health, even if there will be a psychoactive experience. We're, we're all big boys and girls. We're, we're creating, I feel, and again, we won't go here, right? I'm just going to say, but mm. we won't go too deep. We're creating a real, real nanny state lack of responsibility approach. And I believe it's by design, but it, it disempowers people because you can't make that decision. I'm in chronic pain every single day. I know it's eventually going to be legalized at the moment. It's not. I'm going to die before it does. I'm in pain. I'm going to get this stuff anyway, but my government won't or my doctor won't allow me to. Not my doctor. The, the, legislation, yeah, the legislation won't allow me to make a decision about my own health because I'm not allowed to get high, but I can buy a bottle of whiskey and get out of my mind yeah. drunk and get into a car and kill someone. Yeah, like if you came down from space, like in the morning, you'd just be like, <laughs> "I love that." This yeah. is what is what's going on? going on. Like it is, it is bonkers. Like there's serious discrepancies in in what's going on. Um, and you're right. Like it should come down to their their personal decision. How we can let these people sit in their homes, uh, yeah, and not get them the treatment. And like, I have no doubt. Like we look back in ten years' time, and people will be using these medical products and. Yeah, obviously, ha- CBD this, sponsored yeah, by Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Um, but we, yeah, I suppose you have to look at the other side of the argument as well, and the medical professions, and they they have worries probably about kids, you know, s- smoking more cannabis. Visit, but like I think a lot of the the proof there now is that 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 doesn't happen. Like uh, use doesn't go up. Don't, haven't they shown? Yeah, they've shown that in Canada and stuff. The, and it actually goes, the yeah, dependency it, goes down. Dependency goes down and the use doesn't go up. It doesn't go up amongst uh, teenagers. So maybe we're waiting for more of that data and that's maybe okay. I can understand yeah. that argument as well to be balanced. Um, so yeah, maybe that's kind of where their head's at. But unfortunately, there, there will be people that will suffer in the meantime. And that that chronic pain, that emission of that off the list, like I think that's been the big one that's that's hurt people in the industry because you know they'd be one of the biggest users of it, and it's it's worked very well in Germany. Yeah. Um, Just as a due diligence, are there side effects to too much CBD or THC? I suppose. Uh, THC, there is, yeah. yeah, but CBD, there's not. No, no. Side yeah, effects. so that's Amazing. no side effects. So, but THC, there certainly is. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're taking it from a medical perspective, you'd be taking a lot more. C- Controlled. controlled doses, you know, certain milligrams, where is if you're going buying it off the street, you know, you the THC percentage could be like 20% and up. Like that's very strong. And the black mark, they're trying to make it stronger and stronger to get people so more addicted in it. it. Yeah, yeah, what are they doing to it? So I just we want to take it out of their hands. You know, it just makes perfect sense that like you go in and buy your coffee. You should be able to go in, which is which is a psychoactive mind altering substance. Exactly, caffeine. Everything is kind of is psychoactive in a, <laughs> in in a right way. Dose. Yeah, yeah, in a way, like it's having some effect. But uh, 
you should be able, again, back to like your personal responsibility and your choice, like you should be able to go in in a controlled environment, you know, this organic, you know, exactly the traceability on it. You know what you want to get from it. You know, the strength and you should be able to make that choice, just like you can make the choice to go out and buy a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And like, I, I like if I was chatting to you now after a bottle of whiskey or after smoking, so you'd be a lot nicer person after a bottle of whiskey. After smoking. Okay. Yeah. 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 The majority of people would like yeah. if you go around uh, the city on a Saturday night at two o'clock, like, are they are they cool people? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I'm not I'm one of those people as well, you yeah. know, when I'm out, but like are, that's not a cool it's not a cool scene really, is it? Like no, seeing yeah. people the way they're so yeah, it's just why one and not the other, but it'll just take time. There's a lot of taboo around it and yeah. we just need to let it develop. Michael Pollan actually does great work on this and I didn't realise I was familiar with some of his work on 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 obviously mushrooms and psychoactives and stuff like that, but he he has does he write a book on THC, the botany of desire? Okay, yeah, heard. so like it's 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 there's a lot of people discussing some really interesting stuff out there. Yes. I think it's just about um, uh, absorbing it more and, and getting more like you're doing now, get more education out there. Uh, so that was a, a beautiful little kind of handbook on CBD and mm-hmm. THC there. Made but, sense. Yeah, absolutely. It was brilliant. Um, but because part of your journey was functional medicine based and you're quite well versed in functional medicine and you're quite passionate about it now as well. Um, do you mind if we have a little bit of conversation on Absolutely, on yeah. That? yeah. And I'm going to read, because I read these two before we start, I'm going to read these for the listeners as well, these two definitions, because obviously I worked in a functional medicine clinic for a long time, very passionate about it. Um, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, but really, really interested in the concept of functional medicine and empowering people with their health and getting down to the root causes of what's actually going on. I love it. So I'm just going to read, I'm not being rude, I'm just pulling up mm-hmm. these uh, two pictures on my phone I took. There's two definitions that I found of functional medicine. The first one is by uh, the Institute of Functional Medicine, and they describe functional medicine as a systems biology-based approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root cause of disease. Makes sense. Find out what's going wrong. Yeah. Then you can fix that, and it fixes all the downstream stuff. Fair enough. Wikipedia. And I've <laughs> seen this for probably eight or nine years now, and I've always wondered, as this comes to the forefront, is this going to change? And it hasn't changed. And I saw it change once, and someone changed it back to what this is. Functional medicine is a form of alternative medicine that encompasses a number of unproven and disproven methods and treatments. Its proponents claim that it focuses on the root causes, and root causes is in quotation marks, of diseases based on the interactions between the environment and the gastrointestinal, endocrine, and immune systems to develop, quote-unquote, individualized treatment plans, which, I mean, that sounds good to me, rather than a blueprint plan. And then this last sentence is what gets me. It has been described as pseudoscience, quackery and at its essence a rebranding of complementary and alternative medicine that's so unhelpful it is it's so unhelpful and I made a comment earlier on about the medical system and doctors and nurses and I have a massive massive amount of respect for people who can work in that system because I believe the system is fundamentally flawed I don't have a better answer I have better methodologies but for, for, for someone to think that that's what functional medicine is quackery and pseudoscience Unfortunately, like we alluded to earlier on, when there's a trend, a lot of snake oil merchants get on board. So there is some absolute horseshit out there, mm. unfortunately. But it doesn't change the the message behind, the principles behind that first definition I read out there. Let's figure out what the root cause for all these symptoms are. We live in a massively sim- symptomatic world nowadays. I mean, you are literally developing, developing a product that can help people in so many different ways. But what you're trying to do is access this conductor this mm. root, this this central system that's contributing to inflammation and low immunity and tiredness and stress and anxiety. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, most people probably quote to you, why, why, why are you taking CBD? I can't sleep or I'm anxious or I'm restless or I'm 
just high mm. and, uh, and CBD because that's how I hear in most contexts that's how I hear about it but there's a root cause there and we know the endocannabinoid system is, is a part of that and it's probably brought on by lifestyle factors um, but you what what brought you down the road of I know I know your 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 health issues there, but how did you find functional medicine? What what led you to this doctor? I don't know if you mentioned her name. Yeah, Basma Sala, Doctor Basma Sala is her name, and she's a family friend. So oh, yeah. very good. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of that was the link, and she's been very helpful to us, like with the business as yeah. well, and and her advice. Um, I go to her a lot with with different different things. Um. So that was just kind of how I got to okay. got into it. It wasn't like it was referred by someone who'd used it. And it was just, yeah, like when I sat in her office, the whole approach to it, uh, the big thing was there's someone listening to me. That was kind of it. And that's probably when you go to see someone about your mental health. Um, people like to be listened to. And that was the first time I think I was fully listened to for my symptoms. And I was like, Cause she's asking me these really interesting questions about my lifestyle. I felt like she's gone like full the full spectrum of what's what could be affecting my health. And I think, as you said, like the the medical professionals we have are doing such a good job. I think in a lot of ways, it's the system is is failing them. And I know we kind of spoke about this before. If you're if you're a GP. Like to make ends meet, you have to see a certain amount of people. And that that's just, that's the business. And you don't get to, you don't have the luxury of spending an hour, an hour and a half with every patient. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a business. So the reality is you need to do an analysis, look at the symptoms and treat it with sometimes prescription medicine, sometimes not. And probably a lot of the cases, the prescription medicine, it, you know, you're having some issue. That is actually the issue that the symptoms are the issue you have and the medicine works. That's fine. But the reality is that is not the case in a lot of cases. And I was I was a perfect example of that. So I can talk firsthand, whereas with the functional medicine approach, it's finding that root cause. It's going a layer deeper. It's doing the tests, other tests if you need to to find the root cause to then treat it. So I think it's a it's a lot more, I think it can be a lot more sustainable way of, of dealing with health uh, and it can be more preventative in certain cases and can put the foundations in place the way you live your life, your diet, or the, so you don't just end up in that situation again. Like the reality is, okay, like medicine is advancing at such an unbelievable rate. It's It's the solution for a lot of acute issues, like the, the surgeries they can do now, how they can treat different conditions. It's phenomenal. But people are getting sicker. Like that's that's also a reality. So we have all these advances, but people are getting way sicker. Who's benefiting from that? We won't go there again. Um, so something's wrong. Like the, the system, if people take a step back again, we have that person coming in from space. The system is broken. Um, it's, it's working in so many ways, but it's broken in a lot of others. So the functional medicine approach just made such sense to me once I experienced it myself. And I know what you're saying. Um, the probably the right structures are, haven't been maybe put around functional medicine. That's why maybe you have some of the bad actors or like people claim to be functional medicine experts. I don't know, like... A, the functional medicine doctor I went to, she's also a qualified doctor. And I think a lot of them are. And mm -hmm. I think they probably should be, you know, that's where their training should be. But maybe there needs to be, 
yeah, the functional medicine as a practice maybe needs to be recognized a bit more and maybe needs to be streamlined to a certain extent. So you don't have people coming in with completely off the wall uh, approaches and therapies and then calling them functional medicine. But yeah, the the approach just saying such sense, like let's try to get to the root cause and then we can try fix it. Like, And it's something I've never forgot. And it's something like I'm very passionate about now because since we started the business, we have people contacting us like, unfortunately, we have people contacting all sorts of terrible issues all the time. And that's one of the tough things to to listen to and try help. And like, we're not medical doctors, which we always say. We can advise how certain people have been affected by the, the products and then for them to try it. But we, we, we are very careful not going into any like medical advice. But a lot of people have come to me since they heard the other podcast that I did with Pat and have asked for the function for Basma's details. And just like, I'm like so many people can relate. I'm having this issue that's just been going on and on and on. I'm not getting any better. I need to try something different. And then they're coming back with like with the success stories and feeling better. So, um, yeah, I think it's something we need to try blend into to our lives a bit more and just a bit more of a sustainable method to healthcare. Um, I know, yeah, you're passionate about it as well. It's something I'm looking into a lot and talking to a lot of people in the profession. And just because we're getting it a lot through our people contacting us, it's like, how can we, you know, how can we raise the profile of it of a little bit more? Um, because like with cannabis, if I think if you look back in 10 years time and it'll be so mainstream and people will be using it for medicine, I, I truly believe that will be the same with functional medicine. Um, because people are going towards more natural methods and the chronic issues are becoming more and more frequent and it's not working what we're doing. So the approach has to change. And I think we look back and be like, Jesus, how did we do, how did we serve everyone the same way? Uh, not everyone should be served the same way. People need more personalized approaches because like, yeah, we're not all the same and just what works for you might work for me. Yeah. Can, can I get you to clarify something? Because yeah, my perspective is identical to yours, but okay. I, I line up with you on, on all of that. But there's, I'll play devil's advocate here because yeah. there's some pushback or questions people ask when they hear you said where the med- medicine is advancing at a quicker rate than ever, which it absolutely is. Mm. Why do you say we're getting sicker? Why are we getting sicker? Yeah, because what people say is, and again, remember, I agree here, but I just, I, I, I want maybe you can clarify for people what this looks like. Because what people say is, would you rather live 100 years ago when there was all those diseases and people were dying at 50 mm. and all that kind of stuff? But that's a very reductionist way of looking at it, I think. That's, that's not, that's missing the point, to be honest with you. Why do you say that we're sicker now? I, I think the major thing is our diet. Yeah. Uh, if you look around... So you're talking like kind of chronic disease. Chronic disease. Yeah. We're becoming resistant to antibiotics as well, which is another... Is, that's like a... That is a pandemic in itself mm. waiting to happen. But as you pointed out, antibiotics are being used... For, for reasons... For reasons that maybe they shouldn't be used. Yeah. On animals as well, and I think that's spilling over to humans' interactions with animals. I'm not that well-versed in that space. Yeah. I've read a bit into it, but a lot of the people who are well-versed would say that could be our next big pandemic when we become resistant to antibiotics because I think they are being used... In, they, were, they were used... In, for, I'm just even speaking firsthand here. Like yeah. I took two or three rounds of antibiotics for an issue that I didn't have. Like... Which I just would like to clarify, I don't know your doctor, I don't know what the situation was, I don't know what the, the actual um, condition was, yeah. but that was probably the guideline recommended treatment for the symptoms that you had. It made sense, so made sense. Doctor, I had a sinus pain. The yeah. doctor did nothing wrong. Yeah. I had a sinus pain. I can meet her for five or ten minutes. I had a sinus pain. I think the 
probably if nine other people like me went in with a sinus pain, maybe they probably do have a sinus infection. So the antibiotics works in that case. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I think that's important. I think the doctor did everything right. Um, but if maybe things were set up slightly differently, yeah. could I have got a, a better approach? Again, it's no slide on the doctor. That's no. just a, that's a question I think we should ask ourselves, you know, like, is the system right? And I think you'll find that there is actually quite a few flaws in it and it's no fault of the people who are working in it, but there's other powers. Yeah, I, I look at it like a, uh, it's not a health system, it's a health care system. So there are, the people who work in the system are intended to be there for emergency reasons. They're not there to keep you healthy. They're there when you get sick or break your leg. If I break my leg tomorrow or get very sick, I'm going straight to the doctor of the hospital. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's what it's there for. And I, I firmly believe in that. I think... I mean, I'm not going to get into kind of modern modern times, what's going on at the moment, but we have this major, major issue with our healthcare system because people are leaning on it to keep them healthy. And we have all this chronic disease and we have it most, most of it related to personal choices that we make. Now, yes, it's been driven by industry and we're being told all this kind of crap, but we eat the food and we live the lifestyles and we consume these, these substances that aren't good for us in massive quantities. And we, we do that. We are the end of the chain there. Yeah, there's messaging there, but we do that. So we overload this system that's designed to take care of us when we get really sick. But imagine you could prevent yourself from getting really sick for a long, long time. Now, you can't stop yourself getting hit by a car or touch wood, yeah. picking up some very rare disease or something like that. But the vast majority, the vast majority, and this is my experience in the clinic that I worked in and from all the stats that you can read about Ireland specifically, the vast majority of people who end up in hospital are people with chronic disease or lifestyle-related issues, obesity, liver disease, cancers, all that kind of stuff. Now, it's not to say they're all, but the vast majority. So if we had a health system where we were engaging with practices and products and, and, and people, practitioners who understood this stuff and it was formalized and regulated and uh, regulation is a different story altogether, but yeah. there was a formalized system there that you were referring to. We wouldn't then go to our GP all the time when we were not feeling great. or right? We'd go when we were really sick and they'd be able to help us and they would be able to give us the time because they wouldn't have to see 50 people that day yeah. to keep the lights on or pay their insurance. We'd have another system that helps to take care of us and keeps us healthy and we'd be educated and we'd be living better lives and stuff like that. So, mm. But I think we look at the healthcare system as a system that's supposed to keep us healthy and it's not. It's supposed to, it, they're firefighters. They mm. put out fires when the, when fires inevitably happen, which they do. And touch wood, me or you never get really sick, but if we do, we'll go straight to the hospital. But until then, we'll try and live lives that prevent us ever having to go to the hospital. Whereas I feel there's an over-reliance on these people, the doctor you mentioned in particular, who had five minutes with you and correctly diagnosed what she thought was a sinus issue and gave you the correct treatment, which was, she was, taught, insured, educated and promoted mm. to do. She did absolutely nothing wrong, but it was wrong because you had a good, good issue and it made it worse. Mm. So like, I, I just think it's a really nice illustration of that and it's not pointing the finger at anybody, but it's telling us that we have to take a bit more responsibility and maybe try and change things. Yeah. Would that be fair so, enough? Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. And I think it's just good to be talking about it. Uh, it's excellent. Yeah. 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 And I feel, I, I, I'm really, really so passionate and we have the phone call that lasted an hour last Friday and you're clearly very passionate about this as well and I talk about this a lot and sometimes it sounds preachy and sometimes it sounds like I'm in the ivory tower t saying this stuff and having a go and having a go on anybody I'm really passionate because I got a taste of this really early on when it came into Ireland and it's not formally recognised you can see what Wikipedia I'm sure most of the <laughs> yeah, most of the, the board members in this country would agree with the Wikipedia definition because there there is a danger that somebody will will employ the services of someone who doesn't have their best interest at heart and sell them something or stop them from going for a medical treatment. And that's what 
a major fear is here that there there are holes in this mm. out there. So this is not oh, the holy grail of functional medicine. There's a lot of snake oil merchants out there selling dog shit, that's and it. they just want to sell you something. However, that's not a good enough reason for me to completely discount it. So. Um, the, the, having more of these conversations what I found really interesting you said the first thing you said there was it opened your eyes when you went in and someone listened mm. I saw this thousands not hundreds of times thousands of times over the, the course of the years when people would come in and they'd be listened to and immediately they changed because they've been to see 20 people before and in their own individual rights all one of those individual people uh, recommended something or whatever and it didn't help so they come to us completely worn down and upset and hopeless and then someone listens to them and they're like oh my god you you believe me and i was mm. like yeah well we don't know exactly what it is but there's a process here we get to the cause of it there's loads and loads of ways of going about this and biomarkers and blood tests and lifestyle management and stuff loads of things we can do here and they're like i thought there was nothing i could do i was like no 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 it's the opposite there's loads but we can't give you a really definitive answer straight away it could be linked to your gut. It could be linked to your lifestyle. You could have a bad relationship with your partner and that could be causing unjuice. Yeah. Like, it's really, really deep, but we can do lots. And then I just, the, the change in people's faces after that, f- like five minutes. Oh, okay, where do we start? And then it, there's a journey and you're involved in, and you are an, you're an active player in your own healthcare. You are, Fergus, mm-hmm. sitting here in front of me right now. You're taking care of your own health and you're managing your health. You're not a doctor. Like you're not a, a scientist or an expert in any of this, and you're quite close to an expert in CBD, <laughs> but you're actively playing a role in your own health. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. If we can do more of that, Jeez, mm. that was a bit of a rant there. No, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and it's just looking back, like how uneducated I was, probably going into that room at the time where I, you know, and I didn't really know much about the good and about about how diet can affect things and about intolerances and I feel like the good is becoming talked about yeah. a lot more but I still feel most people probably don't know but it. just because I'm involved in the space now and I'm hearing about it all the time you kind of yeah that's what you're hearing about all the time you expect everyone else to know about it but I think there's still such a lack of education there around the gut and how it affects everything else and again if we can just pump more money into preventative stuff yeah. um then we'd have to spend less of the time fighting the fires, as you say. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Mr. Fergus Kerrigan, at the risk of this becoming a monologue towards the end of me just going on a rant. Yeah, um, risk of both of us ranting here. We're, we're, not, we're not attacking anyone. Ab- absolutely <laughs> not. Um, just, would you mind just giving me a run-through of your the, the type of product that you sell and what it, the people who might be able to benefit from it? Yeah, sure. So, so I've got a few of them here. Yeah, we started off with the, our CBD oil. So they're our core range. Okay. That's what someone will take if they're suffering from one of the kind of the issues that we spoke about. So you'll have people come with chronic pain, sleep issues, you know, kind of mild anxiety. They'd be the kind of three main reasons why people would, would take it. But there's a lot of other inflammatory issues that they might use it for as well. So we have a balance range, which has the CBD oil and ashwagandha. That's specifically designed to try to help the body manage stress with that adaptogenic herb. Uh, then we have a rest range, which again is more focused and targeted for, for sleep-related issues. It's got a chamomile extract in there with the CBD. Um, then, So th- that was our first products. We then launched a, r- a range of teas. Uh, they're, like, they, they're like herbal teas, really, mm. but just hemp is the base of them, and hemp is packed with vitamins. It's got its natural cannabinoids, chlorophyll, antioxidants. So it's like, wow. I think it's like herbal tea on steroids. Like it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's herbal tea plus a bit extra. And then we've blended all our, our hemp teas with different adaptogenic herbs again. So the balanced one uh, that you have there has Tulsi in it, 
which uh, is holy, holy basil. It's again, it's used for kind of hundreds of years for kind of like clarity and and mind space. So that's a that's a really nice daytime tea. Again, we have a rest tea, which is used to drink about an hour or two before bed. Some people combine the oil with the tea. The tea is more of a for milder symptoms. And it's, again, it's to be treated literally like a herbal tea, but you will get some extra benefits from it. Whereas the oils are for more severe issues or for more pointed issues that you need to target. We've other one other tea range as well called Active, which has organic green sencha in it. So it has a little bit of caffeine. It's meant to be like a replacement to a cup of coffee. So okay. if you're having two or three cups a day, replace it out with one of these. It's it's a lovely like full bodied green tea. It'll give you a little bit of alertness, but it's not like your your kick. You know, some people get a little bit wiry off coffee. Uh, yeah, I think it'll, uh, me too. If I try to cut it down to one a day, and then I have one cup of. The I'm actually what the 26 now. I'm 26 days into my coffee fast. I'm, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. I have coffee for November, and I only How have do, a cup a day. You have a cup a day. I have a, one cup. No, I don't now okay. in November, but okay. in general, my 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 regular coffee will be a cup a day. And how did you find that? Amazing. It was easy yeah. for me because only a cup a day. So, yeah, and, but I'm, still. But I'm super sensitive to caffeine, and okay. I love a cup of coffee, but I love it for the taste. I never drank it for the kick or mm. the caffeine, and I was super jittery. My, my, the second half of my day was I was so unproductive because I was nervous and jittery and wasn't really able to focus yeah. that well and I had a major crash off the caffeine so that's the biggest n- difference I've noticed I'm sleeping a bit better obviously my mood is more consistent and stuff like that okay. I don't want to demonize caffeine at all here now I, I think it's I love coffee and I think caffeine is a very very effective ergogenic aid but again context is really important and I was going to say while you were mentioning your teas and stuff like this and you did say there like it's more it's more for it's like a replacement for a herbal tea or a coffee or something yeah. like that. I speak about this sometimes with like nootropics and things like that, where people take these substances, CBD would fall into this and herbal teas, and it, it didn't do anything for me. But this is somebody who might be on 10 cups of coffee a day and it's like, go, 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 and they're looking for a real boost and pick me up. And they're using massive doses of caffeine. So they're completely desensitized to anything. Mm-hmm. I will, like for, when I mentioned, for example, when I took the, um, the uh, Four Sigmatic coffee, I noticed the effects of the ashwagandha in there because I'm so sensitive because I take almost nothing ever and I had one cup of coffee a day. So I was really, really sensitive and really was able to notice, okay, there's definitely something different here. Similarly, like some every now and again, I'll use a tau, which is a nootropic. Okay. For pod- I didn't take one today, but for podcasts and stuff like that, just for the clarity. And loads of people who've taken nootropics, I don't notice anything. They're, they're so used to massive amounts of energy and, so, and I wouldn't be used to that. So when I take a tau, I'm on. Mm. Like I'm on all day. And, <laughs> like I know it's, it's, it's I, I like that product. Um, but similarly, people who take these products, it's one of those things, it's unfortunate that some people will take, I didn't do anything for me, I didn't I sleep know. well. Sleep is massively complex. CBD is not going to make you sleep. It's not a sleeping tablet. Sleep is so complex. Yeah. And uh, that's the one we get, if we ever get feedback uh, from customers, like negative feedback, it's normally related to sleep. And uh, then we try to talk to them because just there's so many factors at yeah. play with sleep. Like your sleep routine starts the minute you get up. So we normally try to get on a, on a call with them to see what else is going on. And, and we have a couple of other sleep guides that we share with them. Yeah. Um, but as you said, it's, it's part of a, another, a wider kind of tool set that you need to, to sleep better yeah. um, and you mentioned the word supplement these are intended to supplement a healthy lifestyle that's it yeah they're on that's what we, on the back of is it on the back, pack, on the back of, is it on the teas it's definitely on the uh, it's definitely on the oils uh, no because this is this is actually treated as a food whereas that's a food supplement, supplement Okay. so you'll see there it's always like to support a balanced daily lifestyle food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a very diet yeah. yeah and just to put this in context again for people this is like you going to the functional medicine doctor she gave you CBD not changing your diet or your lifestyle at all taking CBD and then saying 
pseudoscience. She's yeah. a quack. That's like that's what that's it, what would have happened. It's what it would have happened. Yeah, exactly. It does happen. Yeah. So it's it's the it's the blended approach. And as you say, people are more sensitive to um, like you're sensitive to caffeine. People are more sensitive to CBD than others. And some people will notice a benefit very quickly. For others, we always recommend like because a lot of people come to us that have tried everything else and they're in a bit of a spot. So yeah. we always recommend they give it four to six weeks of consistent use. So consistency is the key that you take it every day. There's no point in taking today and then taking it next Wednesday and uh, and wondering why. So consistency is, is the key that you're taking it every day. You're letting it build up in your body, interacting with your endocannabinoid system as much as possible and just give it a period of time. It could sometimes be useful to journal it as well. How did I feel last month? H- has that issue or symptom that I've been taking for, has it improved? Um, that Because, you know, sometimes it can be hard to judge between now and next month and have I seen any change, but some people will notice quite a quite an immediate benefit. It, it varies. Yeah, that's super advice in general, a bit of reflection and anything you're doing, but obviously anything you put in your body as well, you need to reflect on it because, like, I don't know about you, but my short-term memory is brutal. Yes, I forget, yeah. I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> so unless I'm reflecting on it, I'll never know, did I make a change that positively impacted my life? And I think you said this before, because it sounds, and I'm going to protect you, I'm going to guard you here, because it sounds like a business sales pitch. You need to take it forever or take it over six weeks. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that. However, vitamins, maybe you've mentioned this on Pat Dibley's podcast or heard of somewhere else. You don't take vitamin C and expect to feel amazing tomorrow. It's it's something to supplement your lifestyle and it takes time for your body to adapt and to regulate the levels and to, for you to figure out, is this the right dosage for me? Should I be taking fish oils? If you take a fish oil, is my, am I gonna, my brain going to double in size tomorrow? Absolutely not. You're making a lifestyle choice, just like you can't give up drink for one day and expect health benefits. You make lifestyle choices, and this is a lifestyle choice. It's a supplement as part of your habits and routine. So That's I just think it. it's important to say that. Well, yeah, with it's all not a supplements. Sales pitch. Yeah, exactly. It's not. And with all. It's a good sales pitch, though. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, like with, with all supplements, you have to give it the time. Yeah. And if you're looking for a quick fix like that, that's it's a food it. supplement, isn't it? And for some people, they will get unbelievable benefits and they won't, st- they'll take it forever. And for some people, it won't work for. Now, yeah. that, that's the reality. And Unfortunately, we don't get all the data of what other people are doing in their lives. Um, we try as much like we recently, like I've got on the phone with like uh, 30 of our customers, you know, uh, to actually find out like how they're taking it, when they're taking it, what they were taking it for, how how much they take, uh, you know, is it working? How quickly did it take to work? All these other lifestyle factors so we can kind of better design our service and the products. So that that was a very uh, useful exercise. And like for, I suppose for any business, when I was working in, in management consulting, like we used a technique called design thinking. And it's all about starting with the customer. So building a persona of who your customer is, what are their needs, their desires, their frustrations, and what they want. If you can build that perspective or that persona and be empathetic to who they are, then you can you should start to design your service or your products or whatever you do in business. This can apply to any yeah. any business. Uh, for you as well, your podcast, like like who's your listener, and that can inform you know your setup, who you get on, that kind of thing. So that's very useful. That was very useful conversations we ha- I had with our uh, customers, um, so we learned a bit more about yeah. them. My last question about CBD: How does it taste? Because the one thing, it's very very strong. You have to taste it and yeah. let me know. Go I'll, for it. I'll taste it at the end. I'll do, do it that. At the that, end. that tastes really nice. It's it's fla- it's flavored with a 
tiny bit of spearmint essential oil that just gives it like this mild minty taste because it, it does have to be palatable. Yeah, because um, a lot of CBD products are fairly manky. Fe- fairly people manky. don't like the people don't like that hempy taste yeah. sometimes. I, I don't mind taking something if it tastes, you know, like with uh, cider vinegar. If you know it's good if for you. If you know it's good for yeah. you, but then other people, they just don't like the taste. So again, to encourage that consistent use, you need to make it palatable. But that one will... I think you'll you'll like the taste. I'll definitely give it a go. I'll definitely give it a go after. I'll put it on camera, actually, for for the end of the podcast. Um, For people who, obviously, if they want to buy the product, they can go on the website. Yeah, ethos-cbd.com. Or it's in health food stores, uh, most good health food stores around Ireland, and then a few pharmacies. And then it's in a few coffee shops and artisan food stores and stuff as well, especially the teas. But yeah, the website is probably the place to go or our Instagram, ethos.cbd to just get any information or if any questions, because like it is new for people. Yeah. So we love answering questions. So if you have any questions, just... This is what I'm going to say. You don't mind people reaching out No, and DM questions. and like, that's what we get constantly. DM, okay. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Or you can get our, our email. But like, um, we're there to answer questions about it because we realize there's, there's, it's new. It can be confusing. So... We welcome any questions, definitely. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'll put all of your information onto the, uh, the our website as well underneath this episode too. Yeah, so. I think we're going to do discount for uh, oh, brilliant, your amazing yeah. people. Listen up, we're getting stuff. So yeah, so I think we'll do fifteen percent discount. Fifteen percent discount. Yeah, we we'll maybe call it Prime of Fifteen or something. Perfect. Uh, but yeah. you can maybe share it after, and then we can do it. When's this going live? This will be on Tuesday next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So we can do it maybe up until Christmas or something like that. Yeah, so anyone's listening to. Thank you so much. And maybe might be a good first time to try them if they've been thinking about trying it. But yeah, you're very generous. No bother, no bother at all. Really Thanks appreciate for that. Thanks for bringing in all the products on the yeah, the lovely my lovely yeah. new beanie here <laughs> now as well. Uh, Mr. Fergus Carrigan, we laughed, we cried, we went deep down the rabbit hole, we discussed conspiracy, I but most it, I importantly, it. I learned loads and really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a million for having me. It's delighted to be here. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you in the future as the, as Ethos starts to grow and hopefully, expand. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Mind yourself. All right, cheers. Thanks a million guys for listening. Really appreciate your time as always. And thanks again to Mr. Fergus Kerrigan. What an interesting episode and such a lovely guy. As Fergus said, if you have any questions about what we spoke about today, do reach out to him on Instagram or reach out to us here at Primal, at Primal Pro, P-O-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O, for any more information. We love getting your questions, comments, and feedback. And if you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel because it makes a massive difference and really helps us grow and bring you more content like this. Now, I did say in the episode that that I was going to do a taste test on Fergus's CBD oil. He's given me the Ethos Rest CBD oil. And as far as I know, this one has uh, chamomile and spearmint in it. So for me, this is a taste test because... I haven't had great experiences with CBD oils before. Uh, if you're listening, apologies for the uh, the ASMR sounds. And if you're watching, you can kind of check this out. So immediately, I'm not going to make you wait the 40 to 60 seconds. I can tell you straight away, lovely, lovely spearmint taste off that and much more pleasant than many CBD products I've tried. As I said, this is not a sponsored post. I just really like the taste of this stuff. Um, so thanks again, Fergus. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening. And make sure you check out Ethos CBD for all of your CBD needs. And remember, Fergus did give us a 15% discount. So uh, enjoy. Thanks for listening, guys. Chat to you next time.